I also expected you to count down. You changed it up on me. <laughs> oh, did I did I count up? Oh, <laughs> yeah. no. That's okay. I'm not, not being consistent. I'll be able to figure it out. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to welcome back. the name of the show. Two Idiots Talk. Where we're talking two idiots, that's all of you people. And also there are two of us who talk to each other. This is the name of the show that we decided on, and we're the most popular podcast. Don't look that up. Um, my name is Nate. And you can tell we're the most popular podcast because we're so smooth with that intro. Can't you tell <laughs> how good we are at this? You can, t- you can tell we rehearsed it hundreds of times if not thousands <laughs> we have a definite we definitely have an intro that we do the same way every time don't worry about it uh i'm here with will my co-host and i'm here with nate hello i like how we introduced not ourselves that was pro strats yeah, right. so you exactly we know what we're doing. if you're listening to this right. podcast um you probably have some interest in you know some fringe conspiracies and general knowledge that is uh you know known to the the public that has an interest in learning about things that they don't teach you in school you know yeah they're keeping it from you the man's keeping this information from you and i still don't know what i'm going to title this episode but uh you probably saw in the title somewhere that we're going to be talking about about, uh area 51 and bob lazar that's how you pronounce that, right? We've mentioned it in past episodes, too, so you probably could have figured it out. But Yeah, our two previous episodes. Listen to those before this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a through line. You have to watch those first. All right. So um, what Will and I did to try to prepare for this, to not sound like complete imbeciles, uh, was to watch... So we are. <laughs> in in uh, theme with our episode, we are, but uh, we, we want to try to give you know some information. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. So we both watched the Netflix documentary on Bob Lazar um, by, what's his name, Jeremy Corbell. I, I don't remember the name. Yes. What is the name of the documentary? I don't remember. Uh, Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers, I believe. It's pretty easy to find. If you just search Bob Lazar documentary, it's like the first thing that comes up. It's very well made. And to give um, more information, I, uh, Bob Lazar and Jeremy Corbell, when it first came out, did a, a podcast with Joe Rogan. I listened to that when it first came out and i listened to so that. i already knew about this i just didn't listen i didn't watch the documentary yeah, i listened to that joe rogan podcast uh last week and i had already listened to a different podcast like a year ago uh when the early two years ago when the documentary first came out with jeremy corbell on it so we both have like some we got our toes wet basically is what we're saying yeah we got our little piggies wet <laughs> yeah uh got a little piggies moist mm. but um <laughs> So, <laughs> don't mind me. So, before I ever even heard of Bob Lazar, I was already extremely skeptical of aliens. I mean, I loved the idea, and I'm the type of person that's like, you know, there's definitely life in the universe, other life in the universe. That's a fact. Whether or not it came here, who knows? I was very, very skeptical. Yeah, if you then don't, I listen if to you that don't podcast, think that there's life otherwhere, other places in the universe, just stop listening. You a dummy. Just stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> we don't want you here. You're closed-minded. <laughs> this isn't going to make any sense to you. 
you hard-headed freak. That's All right. that's the two so, two idiots part. We're talking to the idiots, you know. We got to be more aggressive exactly. with our audience. <laughs> Okay, sorry yeah, to interrupt yeah, you. We hate you. We, we do not appreciate you at all. But when I listened to, so I was already skeptical, but then I listened to that podcast. And I do have to say, when I first listened to that podcast, I became very open-minded to the idea of aliens like having been here. Because let me say, Bob Lazar is a very charismatic guy. Yeah. Very charismatic. Even though he, he likes to act like he doesn't like attention, regardless of what you think about him, he clearly kind of does and he's good at talking and he's good at talking about the stuff and he's good at making you believe him and joe rogan just basically gives him a silver platter the whole time it's kind of oh yeah he like just he's all in joe rogan's like this is fucking awesome i totally believe all doesn't this question stuff. a single thing yeah, yeah so like as as a in the viewpoint of the listener you're kind of like in joe rogan's shoes a little bit and like when you listen to that podcast especially most people are in his shoes as they don't also know enough to question bob lazar like not right. enough people would have this like the the what is the the tool belt i guess you could say to like be like hold on a second i need to ask this very specific question real quick yeah. whether that be in like so, so, psychology or physics or any, right. literally anything like so it's right exactly or even just like if you're well versed in already well versed in conspiracy theories and what's going on yeah. so it's pretty advanced yeah, when I first wa- listened to it, didn't really have much to question. Fucking loved it. Years go by. That was 2017, I believe. And then, you know, we start doing this. We start talking about aliens and stuff. And we're both like, let's fucking do Bob Lazar. So we both watch it again. And I don't know about you, Nate, but even before starting doing research, I, when I was listening, I watched the documentary. It was like, cool, awesome. But I already heard all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, I li- then, I watched the, or then I listened to the podcast again. And even before researching, kind of was like, you know, something seems a little... There's there's a couple things here and there. I'm like, this is a little weird. Yeah. I, and it's kind of like sticking out to me. And I'm like, I, I'm i kind of getting a little more skeptical, um, though not like disbelieving. Right. You know, so, I'm just kind of like, this is weird. So before we put the cart before the horse too much, let's just do like a brief overview of the Bob Lazar story if our listeners aren't completely familiar. Right. Already. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So basically his narrative is that he lived in he lived somewhere in nevada right right and he built this rock honda rocket car and he was working for like some physics labs in los alamos and then got hired to work at s4 aka a hangar in area 51 yeah he according to his story he worked for los alamos directly met a physicist there kind of like got to know him through the jet car he built and then later emailed him, not emailed him, this is before internet, what am I talking about? Just contacted him to be like, hey, do you have any openings for me? I've worked on particle yeah. accelerators. I can do anything. Yeah, he said he had and a mini particle supposedly... accelerator in his house. <laughs> right. And this was all in, their, in the mid-80s, he, right? Yeah. And then he uh, gets hired by uh, EG&G or through EG&G or something like that. Yeah, forgive us for these exact details from his story. Um if we don't, if but, we don't know the exacts, that means it's not necessarily important to the overall mm, gist. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, other people have done super, super deep dives into his uh, history, so we can just give that to other people to do those. But and then he works at S four for six months, and after six months, he's an idiot and gets fired. He, yeah, he's fucking stupid. <laughs> but he, you know, th- weird things happen. He starts getting tailed because they. 
don't think his home life is stable enough, so he freaks out and brings his friends to come view the flying saucers that he's seen and worked on. Oh, should we go into like a little bit of what he claims he saw? Yeah, I think I think that will be important because okay, the, we should at least talk about the main thing, which was the the like generator, the anti gravity generator, right? Which he described as yeah. a box with a half sphere on top, right? And uh, basically, which was powered, it was antimatter powered, yeah. and generated a gravity field that when you put your hand towards it. It felt like when you're pushing two like poles of a magnet together where you get that cushiony feeling, yeah. but with your hand going towards something. So that is impossible unless you're you know, generating a gravity. And he field. claimed that this was his main focus of his experimentation right. at Air S- Power S4, and, propulsion. and he wasn't allowed to see anything else or ask questions about anything else about where it came from. Um, he said in all the briefings he was given, um, he was skeptical of the, you know, uh, backgrounds of the technology. Uh, he said he didn't really care about the background anyway, or like where it came from. Um, right. He just was interested. He was just in excited to work on this stuff. Right. Um, but he yes. did mention that, it, and uh, it came from Zeta Reticuli, or was an archaeological archaeological dig that these. Right. No, the one he said that he saw one of. The, so he got a bunch of briefings, and according to him, what they would do is they would brief him on a bunch of stuff, and half of it would be bullshit to kind of, like, throw him off. So they could because they trace. were very compartmentalized. Yeah, so they could trace a buddy a system. Leaker. He worked with Barry. Right. He worked with this guy, Barry, who... Um, and they worked on power and propulsion on this drive, on this uh, anti-gravity drive, but they didn't talk to anybody else. So they would get briefings of the information they needed, but also other information that might be accurate, might be bullshit... They would use this to throw them off, or if they were to leak information, they could track it back to who exactly it was with the specific information they've given. So he said in the briefings they mentioned Zeta Reticuli, and then offhandedly, he doesn't remember where that they mentioned it was one of them, at the very least. One of the UFOs was from an archaeological dig. Out of nine that are it at the base at S4, which he saw all of them one day and saw one of them fly for about 30 minutes, I believe. And he knew that they did high-performance tests on Wednesday. So after the six months that we were talking about, that's when he would. That's when he brought his friends out over the course of three weeks on Wednesdays to watch them, and then they got caught. Yeah, so that... And that's when he went... And after that's when he went public. Right, and he went public through uh, George Knapp, who was a popular reporter at the time. Um, and the end of his time at Area 51 also came about because um, his wife was having an affair, and he apparently wasn't privy to that until the people at area 51 who are monitoring like his communications from his house like his house was bugged apparently um when they had time to do that i don't know <laughs> um yeah right and they showed him this these recordings well, no, he agreed to it remember they bugged his house because he agreed to okay, it okay yes yeah that was part of his that's what he signed up for because he he because they they were just like we're gonna have to you know track you and like know what you're talking about and he signed off on that and uh, they were like, oh, man, he's probably not going to be mentally stable anymore because his wife is cheating on him. And uh, that's when he, like, started to show his friends because, like, oh, he's it's probably over. And then he actually got fired and threatened and a bunch of other stuff. And that's when he decided to come out with right. George Knapp. And I guess we can get into more of the minutia as we flesh things out about our right. thoughts now. Um, right. So, like, so from here... So we, since we've established kind of like the normal, uh, what his timeline is, I kind of think we should get into some of the things we found about his timeline yeah. that he doesn't talk about. Yeah, th- so, so we realized, at least I did, when when listening to this podcast, that 
some details were like patchy like there's not a lot of his life before working at area 51 and most of the life that he talks about after just has to do with you know having to deal with the fallout and nothing else (laughs) exactly which is already a little sus, Convenient. but you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's a big, it makes sense because your story's about S4 and what happened after you. So it makes sense that you don't really want to talk about your past life. But when you really start looking into it, things kind of start clicking. And this is where you get into, oh man, it's starting to like make sense why I was a little yeah. suspect of this guy listening to it for the second time. And it's just so unfortunate oh, because boy. I I really want to believe, like I want to believe so badly if I could, oh, yes. my wallpaper would just be that freaking poster from the X-Files. The, I, yes, <laughs> let, me, let me specify that we are not necessarily hating on this guy, um, even though it sounds like we're going to start doing so. I love this stuff. I wish it was real. I want to believe it's real. And I did believe him. It's just as we started looking into it, I began to question it more and more. And I do want to defend him. So I will defend him where I can. (laughs) It might not be that often, but I will try. Same. Seconded. (laughs) All right. So do we want to get a little bit into the wishy-washy stuff of his past? Yes. Let's, Let's start all the way back from the beginning. Yeah. So there was his Honda rocket car, you know, um, and this Apparently, he made this after, you know, I think he was, what, in his early 20s. Apparently, okay, yes. he lived in, shoot, I think he lived on, like, the east side of the U.S. first. And he graduated from high school, like, bottom 50 percentile of his class or whatever. Um, he went to college. I can find it. Yeah, he went to college, uh, but um, didn't graduate. Uh, he's born in Florida. He, yes, Florida, east coast, sorry. Didn't graduate from college initially, and then he started doing, like, all these weird experiments um what what was his first job crap i forget um i know one of his first jobs was being a self-employed like photo developer or something like that um i believe that was after los alamos um i as far as far as i can get gather from the timeline i read about what it was was he was a third-party contractor at los alamos right because so for example i I guess we got to specify a couple other things here Uh, Apologies, But part of the justification for his legitimacy is his past was supposedly erased. Supposedly, the government came in and said or and and just started like erasing things from his past, like uh, him going to MIT and Caltech and working at Los Alamos. And people like George Knapp did some research and they found his name in a phone book that listed him as working at Los Alamos. However, they listed him working at Los Alamos but it wasn't like electrical technology it was just like maintenance or something it was maintenance for a third-party contractor i I believe called kirk meyer um yeah it's that sounds uh, right something like that yeah kirk meyer um because km is next to his name and that's the initials like that are for contractors at los alamos so yes he worked at los alamos but he's kind of lying a a little bit about what he did so that begins to go oh (laughs) That's strange. Why would you do that? But not really, because he claims to have been a physicist. Mm-hmm. So he is kind of a blatantly lying. So he claims he claims to have worked as a physicist at Los Alamos, but he didn't. And they cite a newspaper article where the re- where the reporter only talked to him and took his word for it that he was a physicist. Yep. That was the poor journalism of the eighties. <laughs> right. Exactly. And he wasn't. He was a maintenance person. He did work on, partic- on, I believe, a particle accelerator for maintenance. 
which is interesting. You know, he, he has skills, but he wasn't a physicist. So that's where it starts to come. Like, yeah. why, are, why are you lying about yeah. that? And then uh, we can also talk about his marital uh, situations, I guess, which aren't directly related, but just generally interesting because they're very non-conventional. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he was initially married. Um, I think he was about 20 years old uh, to a woman who went by the name of Carol, I think. Yes, Carol Lazar. And then uh, he separated from her, um, found another woman whose name was, I think, Tracy. Yes, Tracy and Merck. I don't think they se- I don't think him and Carol separated, though. They were still legally married. Well, they were still legally married when he got married to Tracy, but then, like, a, not even a week later, Carol is found dead in Las Vegas by suicide apparently uh it wasn't a week later it was two days two later. days later <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so you know yeah sorry i'm looking at the time timeline right now <laughs> i'm glad you have that up. okay so you know that's just a little bit strange i feel like that's not it's, it's too she and she died from inhalation of motor vehicle exhaust and they labeled it suicide, suicide. what yeah so he married somebody else, and then his old wife killed herself, supposedly. I mean, I'll, I'll accept that it was suicide, but no autopsy was performed. And then a few years later, he gets remarried to Tracy, but she's undergone a name change at this point. And I can't remember what she changed her name to, but I don't think it's important. Uh, let me find it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jackie Diane she, Evans. She, okay, so that's kind of a drastic name change. Wonder why that yes. happens. Um, and then I think he starts... He gets uh, recruited, I guess you could say, for... Oh, there's a little bit more before that. Oh, okay. There's a little bit more before that. Get get to it, Will. (laughs) I don't remember what happens. (laughs) Let's dig this shit up. He filed for bankruptcy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did know that. Him and Tracy slash Jackie file for bankruptcy. They both are taking out huge loans from banks and family members, don't pay them back. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit, tons of money. Like, shit tons of money. Um, again, I have the timeline in front of me, so I have the numbers in front of me. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if these are absolutely accurate, but about $170,000 in assets and $270,000 in debt when they filed for bankruptcy. Yikes. They didn't pay back anybody. They kept, like, taking out new loans, moving, buying new houses, forfeiting them, selling them, going back and forth, which is really fucking weird. Might explain um, the name change. It might explain the name change. So... Already, we're kind of building this picture of a guy who, at the very least, is willing to lie a little bit and is really weird with money and jumping around to dodge debts and not paying back family members. So that begins to also get into an area of, ooh, this is, this is a little weird. Yeah, and this weird. is this is early in his life. This is even before... Just through the whole 80s. Yeah. Um, and then he gets into, a, what is it, uh, that sex um, brothel... Oh I yeah, guess he scandal. buys into a brothel. But like, okay, yeah, I, I this kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I was listening because like I think sex work should be legal anyway. Oh, that's not what it's about. Yeah, it's not what it's about. Yeah. But like, you can't really hold it against I, him. I I didn't get the full. I details. think there's a difference. I don't know. I think there's a difference between being sex work positive and buying Exploiting shares it. Yeah. of a brothel. Yeah. Like making money off of a brothel. No, you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. But even aside from that, even if you don't want to judge that, it's just uh, in addition in during this time period, 
in addition to all of this other stuff. It's just like, what is going on? Yeah, and this is you know? all things that he just chooses to leave out of his past because you know why would you want to talk about well this the brothel was the brothel was mentioned in the documentary but it was mentioned in, in the aspect of a justification they they said he came forward with it and laughed about it thought it was funny and then came forward with it after the s4 and everything yep. and then told the courts all these lies that we now know about and they used that as why would he lie to the courts well i mean <laughs> we'll find out as you were saying it, yeah in that court proceeding he's like I went to Caltech and you can't find it. I went to MIT, you can't find it, whatever. And like one thing I heard when I was doing some researching is that why haven't any like students or professors from Caltech or MIT just come forward anonymously to George Knapp or to Jeremy Cornwell? Like they they don't have, the only threat that they have is, you know, what Bob Lazar says is the government coming after his friends and his family other than him to you know like silence his story and i i can't that just seems so convenient to me like that you because yeah. mm-hmm. if you go to a university you're with hundreds of maybe even thousands of other people like there's no way that the government yeah. could spend that a much that much resources on silencing everyone <laughs> No, not to mention the fact that all of these records that were apparently expunged were in microfilm. Mm-hmm. They would have had, this isn't modern day, they would have had to go to all of these places and physically splice out these sections in the microfilm and put the microfilm back together. Yeah. One, hell no, that's not going <laughs> to fucking happen. Two, I'm pretty sure there's no evidence, like I, I read somewhere that there's that they examined the microfilm, there's no evidence of splicing. Yeah. Either. So... Not to mention, the two professors he brings up by name and even spelled their name. One, I forget which is which um, and, or what the names were exactly. My apologies. Uh, but one of them he claimed was from like Caltech, Caltech and one from MIT. can't remember which one, but one of them was not a professor at either of those. He was a professor at Pierce College, which Lazar did go yeah. to. And there is record of him going to Pierce College, which why didn't they expunge that? And then the other one was a fucking teacher at his high school. Yeah. So more lies. <sighs> more weird lies. For someone who claims to work have worked at Area 51 under a government employment for only six months, I, I don't know. I kind of find it hard to believe that the government would put all this time and energy into, you know, erasing so much of his, of the surrounding yeah. information to one guy, you know. And also... It, it begs the question, why hasn't anyone else come out from Area 51 if right. Bob Lazar has? Like, you, you'd you think he would have, you know, opened the floodgates yeah. or something. If he if he came forward as insurance, as he claims, and it worked, and he's not dead, why didn't, why didn't anybody else come forward as insurance to corroborate a story which would then bolster the insurance? Like, if somebody else came forward with him, that would not only like give insurance to them, but that would suddenly be like, oh, this is very legitimate. Now, if anything happens to either of them, it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and I kind of want to defend him a little bit because like, even if he didn't work at Area 51 and this is all just a big story, maybe <laughs> this is like his long game of, you know, playing. If there is something happening out in the desert in Nevada, maybe this will like spur yeah. some people along to do some more investigation. Yeah, 
Maybe he's just got a big conspiracy yeah. and he just wants to see something come to fruition. Maybe he's playing 4D chess. 4D chess, Bob was all <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, okay. So now he gets into S4, which he got in by talking to this one physicist. I want to say the name was Teller. Does that sound, is it Teller? Yeah. Um, talked to Teller, later talked to him, later contacted him, said, hey, I want a job. He got him into S4. S4 for, he was in S4 for six months where he saw all those things that we mentioned, UFOs. He worked on anti-gravity. He was inside a UFO once. He saw the hangar doors open, saw all nine, but he never got to like go near them. Yeah, his description and... of the interior of the UFO is also kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, because one of the things he said was that there's no artwork. I specifically remember that. And there were no right angles. Yeah. Or connections. Everything was one piece. Yeah. And like how th- that's such like a weird thing to call out to me, the no artwork thing, because why would you assume that yeah. something that's originating off planet, like why would you assume another <laughs> planet yeah. species would? Why would an exploratory or military space vehicle of another race have artwork? in Right. It? Yeah. Like, why is that important? Yeah. Also, he said no right angles, but didn't he say there were boxes like he said there's no right angles but then in his description of the ufo he said part of the pieces of like the generator were cubes yep so those are right angles and detached pieces like there are these little things here and there that you just kind of catch um the one other thing we forgot to mention that's kind of specific to his story is that he claims that the anti-gravity generator was fueled off of uh element 115 a stable isotope of that element Mm-hmm. Um, also antimatter where the like he says antimatter and then 115 he doesn't really specify how either of those what either of those do yeah. but he he lists both of them as fuel mm-hmm. he says he he's kind of wishy-washy on the antimatter thing yeah he doesn't really yeah. lock that in he's like antimatter I don't know no, maybe, maybe it was anti uh, antimatter particle accelerator <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. See, that's the thing. Here, okay. So this is the perfect time to mention. This is why he's so charismatic and really good at talking, because he just he knows just how to mention things to just the right level of detail, yep. and then move off of them when he needs to in such a way that you never really think about it. You just kind of go with it, and you're just like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. oh, okay, oh yeah, yeah, okay, uh huh, and you just kind of keep going, and just he's a very good talker. And after you kind of hear about these small lies throughout his life, kind of just makes you, what else should I be skeptical of? And then you start to hear these things and you're like, well, there's very specific things you are not talking about. And you're specifically trying not to talk about. Right. And he, and then he lies and says, or he doesn't lie. And then he justifies that by saying, oh, I can't get into all the details. I didn't see everything. I don't know. I could be, I could have been mistold. I wasn't allowed to ask questions. Yeah, and he has these backup answers for why he might be wrong about things, which is the perfect alibi. Yeah, especially for hearsay. Oh, man, I kind of wanted to tie in, too, about how we're kind of making the same criticisms of this Bob Lazar story as we were the spirit science thing. Yeah, when I was researching it, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, but, like, the spirit science thing, uh, the host of that is not as charismatic. He's not as 
Oh, he's good not charismatic at, at all. Presenting <laughs> as Bob Lazar, which is probably why yeah. we wanted to believe more of what Bob yeah. Lazar was saying. The, what was the one thing that he said about the spaceship? I thought this was just a interesting tidbit of the hatch that would like fold up, and he was like, "This is the one part that I know that we could design uh, with current technology." It was like a, a octagonal oh, no hatch idea. that would like fold up if you if you like picked up one part of it. Huh. I don't know. He he talked about for some it, reason I have no idea what you're talking about. He talked about it on the Joe Rogan podcast um, briefly. Um, but the other thing I wanted to mention really quick is the uh, he has like these stories in his back pocket or like these analogies rather of dropping yeah. off a motorcycle or a car in the Middle Ages or like in the Stone Ages or whatever. And he talks about yeah. he talks about these things like every chance he could get. He's like you it, you'd be amazed at how quickly you would take it for granted if a piece of technology that you didn't understand was just plopped into your lap. Yeah. And eventually you would just use it. And, and science it is for- so close to magic when we don't understand it. So. Yeah. And like, why, why does he latch onto those analogies? It just feels so. It, I don't know. It just feels strange to me. I don't like when people do that in general. Well, he's trying. He's trying to take your incredulity. Like you're just listening to this and you're going, "What the fuck are you like? This is insane." So he brings in these analogies. You know, semi rightfully so, of being like, "This is beyond our capabilities." So of course it seems impossible. So if what I'm saying doesn't seem like it's capable under our laws of physics another little subtle justification and a little alibi for his bullshit sorry i said i was going to defend him but it doesn't sound (laughs) like i am but he he says these things so that you go okay yeah so i shouldn't really question it and like and uh i can't wait to get into the the science stuff okay yeah i'll I'll try to segue into that right now so there are some cool things that kind of he does explain like the anti- gravity um generator would allow for the spacecraft to make these crazy movements in space that you know negate the the effects of inertia like if if you saw a spacecraft going at you know hundreds of miles an hour and then turn instantly you would think that the pilot would get crushed because of g-forces yeah but with the anti-gravitational field this would be negated by Bob Lazar's claims. Yeah. Just in case anybody, I trust the audience to understand what we're saying, but just in case, um, it's just like when you're driving a car and you turn really quickly and you get smushed into your, your car door. Yeah. Imagine going 300 miles an hour and instantly doing a right turn and how fucking painful that would be. You'd probably die. A body in motion um, wants to stay in motion. <laughs> exactly. Um, he also mentioned that uh, the there was like a force field generated that was in the shape of a cardioid a heart like an upside down heart or whatever so that you could see the ufo from the side but not the bottom i don't know how this would distort the visible light spectrum oh yeah but Uh uh-huh it would make Uh sense i guess for covering up whatever oh oh, no it would it would distort the the light spectrum but uh there's some inconsistencies that on my second listen i was like uh that's not right (laughs) all right i don't know if you want to take the reins here because i i feel like i could just chime in at this point whenever whenever i remember something right i mean i'm we can we can bring back some some more timeline stuff uh as i go through this uh but so as I'm listening to this again, there's a couple things in terms of the the science. He and he claims to be a physicist too. Like, let's understand, he is claiming to be a physicist who is hired because of his knowledge. So he has no excuse when he explains things badly. Granted, he is a human, and I can defend that. 
some scientists are not good at explaining what they know, but he's explaining some really basic things badly and also doesn't seem to understand some things. So as you said, the gravity field that he claims to be around the flying saucer that makes it, turns it into a bubble so you don't have any inertia. And he saw this when they showed him a test flight for like half an hour. And he said that you could see it from the side, but you couldn't see it from the bottom because light's bending around this gravity bubble. So at first I'm like, okay, I, I guess. It sounds like what he's saying is this is directional, which would make sense if you're using it to move. But then he says that they were communicating... Via radio. Like, for, by radio. Yeah. And he goes, that shouldn't be possible. It, there should be no electromagnetic wave should be able to get inside. But he just said that he could see it from the side. Yeah. Radio and, and visible light are the same thing. So why can you see it from the side, but radio... like So there's this weird seemingly misunderstanding that even he doesn't like he's a physicist yeah that's weird that he's not getting that and i uh, i just watched a video and... on, on veritasium's channel um arguing that gravity doesn't exist based on you know inertial frames of reference and that gravity yes. is not in fact a wave and rather it only exists as a bending of space-time and yeah. I can link that video and it's a field that undulates right. it's a it's a field yeah. effect it's not a it is not a wave so having a, gr a generator of waves doesn't inherently make sense based on the relativistic theory which if you believe this theory and more evidence suggests that it's the true theory um, if you had an anti-gravitational field everything inside that field would be pushed away because of the bending of space-time and this craft and the pilot would be exploded, expelled, you know? Yeah, and and then he gets away with it. He gets away with that, though, with his stupid, you know, advanced science seems like magic. So I can kind of be like, all right, fine, whatever. <laughs> you can maybe have a generator that affects space-time. Yeah. Fine, let's grant you that. But how is element 115? So here's another thing. How is element 115 doing that? Yeah, how is that related? He claims a... How is it related? It's just a massive element. Element 115, exactly. It's just... All it is is 150 protons, 115 protons. Yeah. That's all it is. Why would a certain grouping of protons and electrons and neutrons suddenly be able to affect the field, field of, of space-time yeah. itself? Uh, yeah. That's a little beyond just advanced science is magic. That's like, like the only justification I can think of is if he is not lying, he was fed misinformation that this is not a basic element. It is a compound that they just didn't want to tell him about, so they call, labeled it Element 115. But then in the documentary, he gets so skittish around the fact that his home and his business was getting raided by the CIA and that, he might, have that he might have some of the 115 that he stole. <laughs> and then he's like, I don't want to talk about exactly. it. Exactly. I also love that he retroactively puts in the uh, videos that were released in, what, 2016 of the Tic Tac UFO. He's like... Yep, that's exactly how they fly. They tilt base up and then they go straight. They just zoom. <laughs> they, they 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 fly belly first. It's <laughs> because quite, that's it's how quite they're... Uh, useful. Yeah, he's like that. They uh, that he just got to see that before actually saying right. that. And he's like, um, that that's how they that's how they manipulate the gravitational uh, waves or whatever or field. And you're like, uh, I don't know. It's kind of weird that you just were retroactively saying that now that those videos have come out. And then one more thing that I merely came across. 
So this is just in my second viewing of things, be, me being like, this is weird. Uh, coming from a physicist, this he should be able to explain this better because this doesn't make any sense. And he even seems to misunderstand things. And then he also said binary star systems, since there's two stars, would create heavier elements. Heavier elements. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? This is not true. This is not true. Oh, man. This is so dumb. Heavier elements are caused by supernovas or stars crashing together. He is claiming that a, bi- a stable binary star system, merely because there's two stars, heavier elements would form. I don't want to sound like an asshole, <laughs> folks, but I'm going to be. This is so basic. And the fact that he gets it wrong makes me think he literally doesn't understand the stuff. I didn't even notice that the first time, but that's so true. Yeah. Even if you watch one video on astronomy and astrophysics, you would know this. It's so strange that he says this. And I partially think it's because he said it a long time ago, maybe when he doesn't understand anything. And now he has to stick with it. Otherwise, he's going back on something. Mm -hmm. So I start researching and I find a blog online from a physicist back when all of this was relevant in the 90s, critiquing him. And it was pretty interesting. Uh, This is where everything started to fall apart (laughs) because, you know, granted... fall apart by Chinua Chapin. Oh, I have no idea what that is. Never mind. Um, It's a high school reading book. It's not good. (laughs) (laughs) So a couple people would be like, yeah! (laughs) But... Granted, I I don't know physics that well. I, I I like I enjoy reading about it, but that's my like I don't have a super extensive knowledge, and I also can't actually like, prove this guy's blog is true in any way. But it was really interesting to hear him talk because a lot of it made sense. So a couple of the things he goes through is one, Bob Lazar says that the old view of gravity was gravitons and the new theory of gravity is waves that's not true right gravitons are that. quantum yeah. are quantum theory and gravitational waves were proposed by einstein a while ago mm-hmm. we merely proved recently proved waves are real and gravitons could theoretically exist on a quantum the level Higgs boson, in some way maybe yeah right um and gravitons would likely interact as a wave and a particle like photons so he doesn't understand that he claims matter is only protons electrons neutrons and up which is a lie he say he claims quarks aren't matter which is not but true. there aren't there four different kinds of quarks yeah and matter is just anything with mass it's do you have matter and you have force carrying particles and so he doesn't understand the difference between that oh. so he claims quarks aren't so so those there's just some little things and then he Links the strong nuclear force to gravity, claims that to the strong nuclear force and calls it gravity A and claims they're the same thing. Not true. If he knows how they are, he has a unified theory and would win a Nobel Prize. And then he also links the strong nuclear force to gravity and then links them both to the electromagnetic field, almost claiming they're all the same thing. Will's just telling me this stuff right now, and I have the most concerned look on my face because somehow... <laughs> oh, this is all Bob Lazar, by the way. This is all Bob Lazar, the physicist, who is so smart. He worked at S4, by the way. Because somehow I missed this stuff, and hearing it now... This isn't in the documentary, sorry. Okay. This is on his website. I apologize. I did not I did not specify this. This is a blog that is critiquing Bob Lazar in the 90s. Okay. So he's, he's basing this off of interviews and his website. Right, and... and... Just listening to these claims, 
with a college level of basic physics, like this doesn't make any yep. sense. <laughs> and like the, makes no the sense. original and like the basic laws of physics are just like a complete refutation of this. So, mm-hmm. and again, that you could see, you could almost imagine Bob Lazar justifying saying these things by saying, this is what I was told at S4. Oh. This is a new level of physics yep. that the aliens already knew. Yep. So he has these justifications, these alibis for bullshit that he says, which is something con artists do, something grifters do, something compulsive liars do. <sighs> and, okay. <laughs> so this is where it really just begins. Like After that, I was like, oh boy, now I'm just... I don't know if I believe right. it at I'm all. Glad we, this this kind of sucks. I'm glad after doing research, we both ended up on the same page. Because, like... Yeah, for context, folks, we were going to do this first. First, we were thinking, we both love this. We're just going to talk about it. Then, thinking Nate we both reads believed. into it and goes, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> exactly. And then Nate starts researching and goes, oh, no, I'm skeptical. <laughs> and then we're going to do, like, a, a good and bad thing. He's Scully skeptical. Mulder. I'm more hopeful. And then I start researching more and go, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, things and things hit the fan pretty quick. We both begin to crumble. And like he also claims he doesn't um, take any money from the interviews or from the and he like donates it all. But like that's just hearsay too. Also he's gonna write a book later or like he has a book coming out. And he has a merch store on his oh, website. Shit, I didn't people. know that. Ah oh, fuck. He makes money off of this. And also Netflix would have bought the the Corbel documentary yep. and Corbel sure as fuck would have given some of the money to Bob Lazar and Netflix pays Big yeah. old buku bucks for documentaries. Buku bucks, baby. All right, so one more thing about the science. This is more of a kind of can say, okay, okay, this can kind of segue some more into his life kind of stuff. Okay. okay, so he claimed that Wednesdays were high performance tests for the saucers and mm-hmm. went with his friends, took videos of things. And those videos are real. He took videos of weird glowing objects, which I want to say. Where was the light being emitted from? Yeah. I thought it was surrounded by a gravity bubble. Yeah. He didn't say there was a light on it. Why was it glowing? Okay, anyway. so It was drawing in the the surrounding light. The gravity was taking in the light. I don't know. Yeah, right. So there is a theory of what these were, of what these uh, glowing balls were. And it's really cool, actually. There is a known fact that S4 and Area 51 and the surrounding stuff, like at Groom, they had a bunch of a bunch of different radar dishes and radar systems, and they were testing them. This is like a well-known in this conspiracy world and relatively proven as far as I'm aware. They had a bunch of Soviet radar stuff. Somebody proposed, and I found this on this um, physicist blog, and I'll, uh, we'll link it in the description of this video. But they, we know that they were testing normal stealth aircraft anyway in this area with radars and whatnot so somebody came to this like a physicist and proposed this theory and he was like blown away and then researched it and was like oh fuck the physics and math work out that is possible they're Hmm. plasma rays oh right i did remember i do remember hearing that that sounds insane but give me a second (laughs) so and and i'll link it and and he'll describe it much better than i can but Plasma rays. So, what it is, is they are firing protons into the air very fast. And normally, at low velocities, protons would smash into the air right away. Mm-hmm. And, a not, like, not annihilate, but, like, uh, the air would get, like, take all that energy and kind of, like, heat up and kind of, like, yeah, it would, like into fizzle. a poof of hot energy. Yeah. 
But if you shoot them fast enough, they move through air without being impeded all that much. And depending on the velocity you're shooting them at, at a certain distance, what happens is they're moving through the air with very little dissipation of their energy. And all of a sudden, it's exponential energy dissipation, and it poofs in a ball of plasma. It heats the air up so so much that it creates this ball of plasma. And they can control it well enough to make a ball of plasma shoot around the sky like a laser pointer on the Yo, ceiling. Oh, like kind of like when you put a ping pong ball in a microwave. Yeah, <laughs> except it's not, it's, it, it doesn't need to work with the normal laws of physics of a flying body because it's not a flying right. body. It's, it's like just, a laser pointer. Yeah. It's just particles. It's just particles colliding with the air That's so cool. at a certain distance. So it would look like a floating ball, a floating, shining ball. And these things have been seen other locations where they know they're testing radars. Yeah. So the theory is that they were using this to disrupt, to test radars, to see what would disrupt radars, to disrupt heat-seeking missiles, to see how pilots would deal with these things. And I don't know, folks, but that makes a lot of sense after I I read the the justification for, like, how the physics would work. And that... It makes a lot of sense. That possibly could be older technology, too, because that could explain, you know, the Foo Fighters of the of the world war ii yeah but these these plasma beams these plasma rays i guess you could call them would use particle accelerators and bob lazar he probably did have a particle accelerator in his room they weren't hard to build at the time you just there was like one thing you had to get over and you could build them pretty easily Mm -hmm. so he probably did he probably was a tech for particle accelerators at los alamos he probably did meet teller he probably did get a job from teller but he probably was also another subcontractor at S4. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing this all this up, and my view is, yes, Bob Lazar did have some knowledge, did have some tech ability, worked on particle accelerators, got a job on a government facility that was um, confidential, but for other reasons. Right. He knew it was happening. He knew they had this plasma array. He was working on the particle accelerators for them, and decided to impress his friends yes. by bringing them and yes. telling them that okay. they're flying saucers. Okay, that makes so much more sense. And that's like still actually yeah. interesting. It's still interesting. And we already have proof that he's willing to lie for ego purposes. And he's kind of a grifter in terms of like dodging debt. So he's like not the most trustworthy guy. And since he would go to jail for releasing confidential information, he went forward with this crazy story as insurance that is Mm -hmm. true and if he backs out of the story he will go to jail yeah yeah shit all right we did it folks will's an investigative (laughs) journalist (laughs) yeah well barely i just read a blog (laughs) yeah i guess that would also explain you know why he's so passionate about restoring the uh that science kit with his that he talked about in the documentary with all those yeah. quote unquote dangerous uh yeah. components cuz that's probably how like he probably had that as a kid and he probably oh, for sure. that's probably how he had a particle accelerator or whatever or like even something less complex or less dangerous <laughs> um yeah he yeah. also a couple of the things he lied about his jet propulsion thing he lied about how propulsive it was he said it had like 1600 pounds of force mhm definitely didn't he also said he drove it to work every day do you know how much fucking fuel jet engines take what the (laughs) fuck 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, nah, bro, you're not driving that to work every day. I'm sorry. Nope. No, you're not. That'd be God like damn, a month's paycheck I... of fuel. <laughs> yeah. No, he was not making that type of money. Not making that type of money. And like also you would He also probably... never mentioned he never mentions that he did like the photography what was that called? Um developed film like developed yeah. film or developed like photos or something. Yeah, so why did he never meant he, he never mentions that? Like that's only something that you find in public records of his bankruptcy. You know what I think? Like which just... which is the all the bankruptcy stuff is public records, so yeah. that's like confirmed fact. I, I think he was just a self employed anything just to try yes. attempt to launder money to try to get out of debt through the from the brothel <laughs> yeah exactly maybe he still owns part of the brothel and is laundering through his <laughs> his business united nuclear uh-huh. which by the way contracts to the department of homeland security oh <gasps> how the fuck did you find that i honestly don't remember oh my um, god i want to link that so bad <laughs> that's so okay wacky. no i'll find it and, and we'll link it but he he contracts to the department of homeland what? security which why would they do that if he was a if he was a leaker yeah if he was a whistleblower what the fuck yeah ah shit i so i don't know thanks for listening yeah thanks folks uh that was a lot of fun for us i know that we both really wanted to do this this was one of the first items on the docket for things that we wanted to talk about on our podcast before we even had the name um and oh, yeah, and it, I'm I'm kind of kind of sad how yeah how our like, perspectives have changed. Once we went down the rabbit hole, it kind of crushed our dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's just gonna happen yeah. on a lot of these things. Yeah, it's it's just really easy to get caught up in like fantastical stuff uh, when you're not when you don't really have the time to look into it, or the want or and like then, the the impetus, you know. Like, yeah, but. We uh, we hope you enjoyed that. Uh, we encourage you to look into it yourself. We'll we'll try to link as much as we can yeah. in the description, and we'll figure out how to get that to you if you want to check it out yourself. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm Nate, and I'm Will, and we're two idiots talking to idiots. I guess <laughs> two idiots talking to idiots. <laughs> Perfect. All right. We hope you come back next time.